Howdy there. I'm Matt McKinley with the Burning Daylight Podcast. If you ever wanted to make a podcast, well, Spotify's got a platform that makes that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for, for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from the phone or computer. Uh, so no matter what uh, your setup is like, you can uh, start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And uh, if you like my show, Fence Post Politics with my buddy Aaron, that's the place to watch it because it's all video all the time. And we uh, like we share videos, we comment on videos, we share news articles and uh, and funny memes. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, and also, if you want to take your conversations to uh, with your fans to the next level, uh, your question and answer answer and polls are the best way to get them talking you can attach that to your your podcast there and, and you get your you get you know valuable interactions with your fan your fans and uh <clears throat> with spotify for podcasters you can earn money in a variety of ways including ads and podcast subscriptions and best of all it's totally free with no catch and that's uh that that is true um, <laughs> supposed to do a testimonial here, um, but anyways, this is the the podcast I use or the podcast uh host that I use. I like Spotify. They're uh they're very good on just letting you do your thing, uh with uh with no catch to it. Uh, there's a good reason why Joe Rogan hosts podcast on Spotify and, and this is uh this is a great way to get started if you if you've ever thought about starting a podcast this is where I would send anybody to go um <clears throat> best thing you can do is just download the Spotify for podcasters app or you can go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started and yeah if you've ever thought about just doing a podcast or if you're tired of paying a monthly service that uh, doesn't seem to do much for you, Spotify podcasters is your spot. So uh, go to spotify.com slash podcasters or download the app today. Welcome to Burning Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, daylight burners. Aaron is gay. 
um i don't know if uh for if any new listeners that uh that are here uh my co-host fence post politics is uh he is often gay and uh and doesn't make the show so this is one of those weeks where uh yes truly gay um spending time with his wife gayest thing i could i could possibly think of so um ridicule him mercilessly mercilessly and uh yeah hey we're we're in uh the roaring 20s i you guys uh know that i'm a big history buff and i'm gonna look at history and see uh see where we're at where we're going and man oh we're we're in for a fun one here fellas and ladies it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one um we had a bunch of uh financial turmoil over the weekend and yeah we'll uh we'll just get into it um this uh, um where are we at there we go all right moody's cuts outlook on the u.s banking system to negative uh citing rapidly deteriorating operating environments shocker um this should not come as a surprise. So we had uh, Sil- Silicon Valley Bank, and then I forget what the bank in New York was called. Uh, Signature Bank. Oh, and um, Silvergate Bank. That's a new one. I uh, I read something about that. Maybe that was... I, I can't remember. Um, Silicon Valley Bank is, well, Silicon Valley. It's uh, heavily was heavily invested in startups um and also treasury bonds apparently they also heavily invested in woke um but contrary to what uh desantis and uh, a bunch of uh the conservative people will say that the woke did not make them go broke um yeah i read somewhere earlier that like uh if anything it made him better off being woke and i i kind of tend to agree um anyhow there was a run on the bank uh on this um silver or silicon valley bank friday i believe is when when the news broke and um and they collapsed and so now the fdic is kicking in so uh, if you have any sort of checking account savings account you know you're familiar with fdic um i bank at a uh, credit union which i i don't know exactly what the difference is but people that are uh kind of shifty with their money agree that um for the most part that uh you know credit unions are better I can't confirm that at all, but uh, because of those reasons, uh, that's why I that's why I bank at a credit union. So, anyhow, it's uh, <clears throat> seem seems like a better way to go. But there's uh, 
like I said, this this should not be should should not come as any sort of surprise, uh, what what whatsoever. And <clears throat> I I just uh, one one of these days we're we're going we're going to learn. I think um, you know that we got to have sound money. Um, I don't know when that day comes, but I, I think. I do think that uh, it's, it's going to happen at some point. Um, hmm. Looks like my my rumble feed is uh, not up. Maybe. Um. Anyway, I'll, I'll 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 keep going. I'll try to try to multitask. Probably won't happen. I'll uh I'll put it up later. But um. The 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 mo- the money situation in the U.S. has not been great since uh, well 1971, but here particularly the last uh, well we'll just focus on the last three years because um, if you remember back when uh, the world shut down in 2020 and and I'm I'm really I really promise I'm not a you know. I'm not a a guy to toot my own horn. I, I I don't like I don't like doing that. But I did call this shit the inflation, all of it when uh, Trump was in office, and they they started passing the stimulus stimulus package and whatever. Uh, then you know Ron Paul was right about the Federal Reserve has been right for a long fucking time now, and. Yeah, it's it's like the the curse of the libertarian. I don't know if I have any good solutions, but I I can usually usually say, hey, that's that's gonna end up bad when when they start talking about it. And well, we're usually right. Like I said, not maybe not too many uh, viable solutions. Um, but we also don't have any power. So who are we actually throwing up any viable solutions? Even if it's a good idea, is it a viable solution? Well, no, because it'll never get enacted because libertarians have no power, but we're sure pretty goddamn good at diagnosing a problem. And, um, when you just make more of your money that is not really backed by anything, um, it loses its value. And that's part of the the reason why this uh, well that and just look up fractional reserve bank. I mean, I guess we might as well talk about it here. It's a real famous uh, scene from "It's a Wonderful Life" uh, at the end, where they they uh, make a, a big case for fractional reserve banking, which means the bank only has to have a fraction of the money that is deposited in there. So every time you put your paycheck in there, say you make a, you know, $2,000 a month or a paycheck, whatever. We'll just, we'll use that just as a, as a ballpark figure. You get, you put $2,000 in the bank. Well, immediately 90% of that is loaned out because that's how a bank makes money. They make money off of interest by loaning your money out for you. And uh, <clears throat> I'm not saying they don't provide a, a pretty good service, but 
it's all built on a house of cards and it has been ever since like yeah if if 90% of the money uh that is deposited into the bank is out in other investments um if a bunch of those people come calling um you know it, it's not a you might have like a handful of like really big investors um and they're not going to come calling because and they're you know their money's tied up uh in in investments and 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 such as well but you're the 99% of the bank uh the people that bank there are are just like working class people that typically live like paycheck to paycheck and if they come draw their money out all at once and uh yeah you've only got 10% of what you has actually been deposited there um it becomes a big deal and it's always been a big deal when on the banking like uh even before the central banks like there were there were runs on banks all the time and the good banks had enough to to cover the the wave of people coming through uh the other ones that were leveraged out too far did not uh, this was a case of one that was leveraged out way too far. Um, not only did they invest heavily in in um, tech companies and startups, but they invested heavily in treasury bonds, which are a long-term payout. So <clears throat> even though like they they were technically going to have the money, um, it, it was. Uh, not till way down the line, uh, long-term investment. So the, then all of a sudden people got scared. They're like, Hey, I'm getting my money out of here so I can still get my money out of here. Um, and caused a run on the banks and they didn't have enough, uh, liquid cash to, to pay them out. And they failed. Uh, FDIC insures, uh, up to $250,000 of, uh, of your investment. So up to $250,000 in your bank account, should that bank fail, you're, you're covered with to up to that amount of money. Uh, that, that all came into play after the great depression. Um, you know, roaring twenties again. Woo. Um, that, and that, that was to, it was, it was provided as a back backstop. I think it's a great idea. I don't know how great it is in practice, but like a lot of these social pro- programs, these uh, like financial regulations, uh, food safety regulations, they came from a really good uh, spot. And uh... there we go see in the corner of the monitor and it was not it was bugging me but anyways they, they all come from a good spot they're trying to help the the normal working person not get fucked over which is which is a noble effort um anyhow what that means is should a bank fail the federal government's on the hook for every investor up to $250,000. So if you only had a thousand dollars in there, you're only getting a thousand dollars back. That's how it goes. You're, you know, you're insured to what you had in the bank, (coughs) but 
who pays for that? The federal government. Well, we fund the federal government. So you're, you're, it's essentially a, an insurance policy, um, against, against your banking institution. Uh, the downfall with that is, uh, it still allows banks to go make a bunch of risky investments because, uh, they know they're covered up to a certain point. And now we seem to have set a new precedent where they have, uh, the federal government has decided that every one of those uh, clients of Silicon Valley Bank will be recompensated in whole. Um, the Roku company, I, I heard this on Crystal and Sagar. I don't know where they got their uh, source from, so I, I can't, I guess you can't quote it on me, uh, quote me on it, but I, I imagine it's probably pretty true. But Roku had over $400 million in one bank account at, at Silicon Valley Bank. And uh, the federal government decided that, like, well, even though we're only obligated for $250,000, we're going to go ahead and recompensate everybody fully. And then the FDIC takes over the and the, the bank gets sold. I think the, the UK uh, branch of... Uh, of Silicon Valley Bank sold for a single dollar. Um, <coughs> when it was all said and done, I saw that on Twitter. So verify that at your own will. I don't know how true that is, but it sounded good. <coughs> and this news is probably fake. So we're, we're covered, I think, by the by the semi fake news clause. Um, but anyway, so Moody's Investor Service is. Uh, We'll pop that back up on the on the screen there. Um, cut its entire view on or view on the entire banking system from negative uh, to negative from stable. It was stable. Now they said negative. Uh, we've changed to negative from uh, stable. Our outlook on the U.S. banking system to reflect the rapid deterioration of the operating environment following deposit runs at Silicon Valley Bank. Silvergate Bank and Signature Bank and the failures of SVB and SNY, Moody said in a report. Um, the moves are important because they could infect credit ratings and thus uh, borrowing costs for uh, for the sector. And it's uh, and it's downgrade of the entire sector. The agents, the rating agency, noted the extraordinary actions taken to shore up the impacted banks. They said other institutions with unrealized losses or uninsured depositors could still be at risk. And one of them that they said uh, could still be at risk is uh, Credit Suisse. And I'm not, I'm, I'm assuming they're, mm, oh, this is a good Credit Suisse. Well, well, well. Um, Credit Suisse uh, shares fall to an all-time low as bank announces it has found material weakness just hours after Wall Street expert uh, predicted that it would be the next to fall after SVB. Uh, so Robert Kiyosaki, uh, the the guy that wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, predicted that Credit Suisse would be the next one based on their treasury bonds. And... I would go more into depth on that, but I'm not that much of a finance guy. And I don't know exactly what all that means. But 
Um, like I said, I know it's long-term investments and which are not liquid, which you can't just like, you can't turn those over and sell for cash real quick. So I guess I'm, I'm a little smarter than I gave myself credit for, but I still don't know it very well. And the more that I, I learn about the real world, ah, the more I realize like the people that run this shit don't actually know all that much either. So, um, yeah, fun times. Um, this one is really fun. Um, going back to, uh, going back to the, the Silicon Valley. So cheering Silicon Valley bank bailout. And, um, there's a lot of conservatives that are saying this is not a bank bailout. And there's, uh, Hey, when you get into the technicalities, I, I mean, they're not bailing out the bank. They're bailing out the, the investors, which the investors are the banks. So, I mean, it's, it's potato, tomato. Uh, at the end of the day, they they ended up paying everybody in full, which uh, they're not required to do by law. And uh, it just so happens that a lot of big tech companies um, had money in that bank. So it's not really that big of a surprise that they got they got their full compensation. Um, so is it a bailout? Yeah, essentially, maybe not in name. Um, you know, maybe they did a couple loop-de-loops to, to get there, but you know, it's, uh, it's, they still, they still got more than they were, you know, required to by law. So, uh, Gavin Newsom doesn't mention he's a client. At least three of the California governor's wine companies are held by SVB and a bank president sits on the board of his wife's charity. Um, this was an interesting one. Uh, California governor Gavin Newsom praised the Biden administration's decision to intervene on behalf of Silicon Valley Bank's clients after the bank was taken over by the FD, FDIC on Friday amid a bank run. The White House, uh, quote, acted swiftly and decisively to protect the American economy and strengthen the public confidence in our banking system. Uh, Newsom said in a statement, what Newsom didn't mention, that it is also protected, that it also protected his own companies if they held over $250,000 in deposits, which I'm sure they did, uh, being wineries and, uh, and a charity organization, um, connected to the governor of California. I'm sure they're running more than a quarter million. Um, Kate Odette and Plump Jack three wineries owned by Newsom are listed as clients of SVB on the bank's website. Newsom also uh, maintained personal accounts at SVB for years, according to longtime former employee of Newsom Newsom's who handled his finances and who requested an anonymity anonymity to avoid uh, professional reprisal. Bum, bum, bum. Gavin, Governor Newsom's business and financial uh, holdings are held and managed by a blind trust as they have been ever since he was first elected governor in 2018. Um, Newsom also didn't mention that his uh, wife, Jennifer Siebel's professional ties to the bank in 2021, Silicon Valley uh, Bank gave 100 grand to a charity founded by Siebel, the California Projects uh, Partners Project, at the request of Newsom. So he's like, "Hey, why don't you just donate that money to my wife's charity?" 
um, John China, president of SVB Capital and responsible for SVB's funds management, is himself a founding member of the California Partners Project Board of Directors. Um, anyhow, and, and I would assume I, I you could look it up. I need a this is where I need a producer, young Katie. Where are you at? Uh, but I would assume that Gavin Newsom has bitched at some point about uh, Donald Trump's estate being put into a blind trust and his kids running uh, <laughs> the blind trust. But that's exactly what he did with his his finances too. Like uh, these motherfuckers, even even the lefties, they're all about money. All about money. So, yeah, he was like, this is a good job, Joe Biden, because I ain't going to lose that much money. <clears throat> so it's uh, it, it's really wild. I mean, like Roku, man, can you imagine they, they uh, I, I think the number I heard was $458 million they had in, in a single checking account. Uh, so So you're looking at, Four hundred and fifty-seven million seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, or seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, <coughs> just fucking gone because the bank failed. <coughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they are. They were calling up every congressman and senator they knew, and they were they were calling every aide to the White House. Yeah that they had contact to because um yeah that, that that that's shit that i mean that that's what causes a depression like people lose their, their entire fortune so uh and no matter how small or big that fortune is when it's gone it's it's fucking gone uh <clears throat> and uh yeah and you know like the, the it goes back to the uh, wonderful life where he's like, oh, your money's not in the bank. It's in uh, Timmy's house and it's over there and it's over there. And I mean, man, it, it seems at the end of the day like that, maybe that's not a great strategy to have this whole fractional reserve banking. Um, I'm kind of a dummy on that. I'm not good with money. So, uh, so I'm not, not one to, uh, take advice from but it just seems even from a, a financial dummy like me it's like that sounds like a bad system you know it some doesn't sound very very sound um anyway so a lot of speculation in the markets that this uh this could kick off the recession um if you've watched the numbers you know, we were in a recession a while ago and we were maybe up for a quarter, depending on how you fudge the numbers, but economy has not been good for quite some time. Like it really wasn't that great under Trump. Like shit was cheaper for sure. And business was booming, but the economy itself wasn't, wasn't great because, uh, you had really low interest rates, which they use to uh, finance wars. Once again, I'm not very adept at this finance stuff, but I do know that when you have money to uh, to invest, the lower the interest rates are, the more likely you're to, uh, you're going to invest a bunch. Um, 
because you don't have to pay as much back. You know, that that's how, how the, the whole interest rate works. And we've been at or near zero. Like even now, like we're not the, the you know, like the mortgage rates and stuff have, have went up quite a bit. But as far as the Federal Reserve lending, lending rate, we're like we're nowhere near where they were in the in the 80s to try to combat that inflation. Um so like it's it's gonna it's gonna hurt um but anyway the reason the the interest rates were were so low was to finance wars uh, afghanistan iraq um <clears throat> the gulf war um vietnam i'm sure as well i mean that's <laughs> probably the the war debt from Vietnam is a big reason why Nixon took us off the gold standard in the first place, I would imagine. Um, once again, I don't know for sure. That's something that I uh, should probably look up, but that, that would be my, my guess. Um, anyhow, like the Fed, Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates. Like they, they say like really, really high rates, but like, at the most, it's been a full percentage point. And um, looking at the 80s where it was like 18% interest rate and we're, we're only at like three and a half or some shit like that. Well, we got a long ways to go. And um, yeah, the, they because they're only like gradually increasing, you know, the layoffs haven't been been all that big. But the inflation keeps going up and they're, they're talking about how inflation's down. It's only at 6% this month, but it's still 6% higher than it was this time last year. So what the fuck, man? Like it, you can't say that it's like, uh, you, you've decreased the inflation. Like, no, it just, maybe you've stopped it from rising quite as, as much a little bit. Uh, and it was like by half a percent. And like, well, nah, it's still, once again, 6% higher than it was last year. This is like the year-over-year -year inflation. And I, I don't know how all these banks are invested out, but I'm sure it's uh, this whole thing is a, is a house of cards, and it's the wind's picking up. It's really picking up. But on brighter news uh, on the economic front, uh, one industry that seems to be just evergreen, recession-proof, depression-proof is the arms industry. And we are, we are putting a lot of money into, into armaments. And we are getting just even closer to World War III. And I, it's it's almost at the point where you're just like fucking get it over with. Some somebody like bomb one of those those uh had ah, stupid idea, but just get it over with. If you really want a war with Russia, just fucking get it over with. And uh, you know, let's just fucking end it now. Let's end it now because uh, we're we're playing this real. Uh, this real like cock tease game of it. And uh, now we've got a, 
a Russian fighter jet bullied a U.S. drone before knocking it out of the sky. Um, reports have said, all right, so we got a U.S. Uh, Russian fighter jet collided with a $32 million U.S. Reaper spy drone, sending it crashing into the Black Sea. Um, it's not just a spy drone. This, uh, this drone can carry a lot of different payloads, um, uh, <clears throat> I think Sidewinder missiles and um, it's called the Reaper for a reason. You know, we, we took out some motherfuckers with these things before and it's hanging out off the coast of Crimea, which Russia says is theirs. And uh, the whole world can dispute it. But in the meantime, Russia is there and uh I don't see anybody taking it back from them anytime soon. And last time I checked, Crimea is across the Atlantic Ocean and then across Europe. And then there's the Black Sea, like that butts up against Ukraine and Russia and then like Turkey. And, you know, it's um, not our fucking territory. So when, when uh, Russian fighter jets knock it out of the sky, which sounds like it was kind of just uh, an an oopsie, they were uh, they were spraying fuel on it, I guess, to try to try to fuck up all the like the surveillance stuff. But then something happened, and they they clipped the propeller on the on the drone caused it to they had to land it in the ocean i don't know if they were able to salvage anything and then the it also damaged the russian jet and they had to make an emergency landing and now we got people who are like um wondering if we're we're gonna retaliate on russia when our drone which how the drones work you know like nobody nobody's in that aircraft it's somebody probably in las vegas that is uh that's controlling that but there's no there's no humans inside the aircraft so nobody died as far as i know the russian pilot hasn't died yet um i don't know if they'll they'll get rid of him or not you know authoritarians work in weird ways like you'd think Maybe give that guy a slap on the wrist. Um, but if you're fighting a war and you need air, air superiority, you might um, maybe not kill the guy that you pumped a whole bunch of money into. But like I said, authoritarians don't don't think on quite those terms. So um, as far as I know, that guy's not dead yet. And... It's it just seems like a very blatant case of like maybe we mind our own fucking business. Like we don't but Crimea is a long goddamn way from the United States of America. <laughs> long ways. I understand we're a part of NATO, uh, but Ukraine is not. And if we hadn't been in that part of the world, we wouldn't have lost thirty-two million dollars on a Reaper drone. Um, because Russian aircraft would not have been me- messing with it if we weren't uh, like kind of encroaching on their territory. And they'll say it's international waters and nobody owns the Black Sea, but 
like I said, it's a long fucking way from mainland United States of America. It's even farther from like, I guess it's a little closer on the Alaskan side of things, but still it's a long fucking way. And, uh, uh, just keep ratcheting it up. Every time there, there'd been reports where like China had reached out to Zelensky and he uh, was willing to possibly think about coming to the negotiating table. Um, there's been a lot of pressure from the Republicans to, to stop the fund, the funds going to Ukraine. And, and by a lot, there's been a handful of people that, overwhelmingly the the republican majority is uh they're they're even worse than the democrats on ukraine they they think we haven't spent enough money on ukraine so you're you're uh you know you're conservative republicans outside of like i said a handful there was what 20 people that held up the the speakership vote um but the vast majority of them are like, oh, no, Biden's been too much of a pussy. We're not spent sending enough money and weapons to Ukraine. So, like, it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're just getting closer and closer. But, like I said, war does have a tendency to bring an economy out of the shitter because uh, you got to make a bunch of stuff, Um, which... You know, the longer this war goes on in Ukraine, whether we we get, you know, physically involved or or not, uh, I said it before: Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, all all these defense contractors; those are good stocks to invest in because they're gonna still keep making shit. Because we got to prepare for a war. We've we've sent so many artillery shells over to Ukraine that. We've depleted our stock, so we got to build them back up somehow, which I agree with. If we're going to have them, if we're going to have this fucking military, we probably better have uh, have weapons for them because uh, if you have a military, you got to use it to justify it, and that's that's how it's gone. So, like, it's pretty much inevitable that we're going to be sending our, our soldiers into somewhere on some sort of conflict, and I'm, I'm against that, but being the realist, I know it's going to happen. If we're going to do that, they better at least be well-armed. So, uh, yeah, keep making the weapons, I guess, until you guys figure out how to, how to not get us into war. Uh, fuck. What a, what a shit show. Uh, meanwhile, we got China shit going on, too. Like that, I think that's going to be... It, until this, it looked like we were we were slowly starting to kind of back away from ukraine uh you know they had the reports that the seymour hirsch report that said that the u.s blew up the Nord Stream pipeline came out and then a couple weeks later the the government response is like oh it looks like maybe it was a pro-ukrainian group and then they're they're saying like one of these ukrainian oligarchs um sent one of his yachts with some divers and, and went and blew it up which maybe it happened but I guarantee it didn't happen without the blessing of the United States. Uh, we blew that shit up. And, um, but anyway, they threw out that, that pro Ukrainian group. Um, maybe as a, maybe as a sign of like, ah, maybe this Russia seems real serious about this. And yeah, but we're going to 
we're gonna give them a bunch of weapons and like maybe they'll push forward and, and regain a little bit of territory and then you can come to the negotiating table from a stronger stronger stance it looks like it looked like that was maybe what was going to happen now you have this shit with uh with the the drone and mm, means we're we're probably just going to send more and more money over there um but also we're we're still like picking a fight with russia i mean with china and maybe that's a more justified fight but either way i got a billion and a half people yeah just that that seems also like a bad idea and i i say i i named this episode with the roaring 20s because it's if you if you uh have studied it all on on the 20s the early part of the 20s when the war state was winding down you know so we went to world war one sent a whole bunch of arms and wheat and men over to uh to europe and we we tipped the tide of the war um but then after that happened like we scaled back the military we stopped uh shipping a bunch of wheat over to uh to europe um which led to uh, like a collapse in the grain market which you know the the big reason why the the area i'm from was settled was to grow wheat uh <laughs> to to supply the war effort in europe and then once the war was over and the uh, the ukrainians went back to growing wheat we had a surplus price uh collapsed the economy went into a depression but Calvin Coolidge was the the president at the time and he he instructed the Federal Reserve not to do anything and the market corrected itself within like 18 months or some shit like that. It was a real quick <laughs> as far as depressions go. It was uh it hurt like a lot of people lost a lot of shit but it corrected quickly. Um and then then you get the roaring 20s and we're only three years into this decade, but we've had we've had some boom times and we've definitely had some bust times. And it just seems like we're working on a shorter timeline than the 20s, because then after I think it was 1920, 1921, when the when the Depression hit and then you had all the way to the night till 1929 uh, a boom time. We had like 2020. 2021 no no i guess the first part of 2020 was pretty good then it took a shit and um and then we kind of we had a little little resurgence um but now we've got inflation to go with it and and now it seems like we're heading for a real big crash uh which you know libertarians have been protecting for a long time i don't know how bad it's going to be i don't know when it's going to happen but it's it's going to happen because our whole system that we're we're set on is a house of cards so like it's any any sort of little bump here and there is gonna is gonna push it and eh. i don't know what <coughs> what the 
what the catalyst is going to be, but these uh, these banks uh, failing that that's that's not a great sign. Uh, this drone getting downed by a Russian jet that's that's not a great sign. Um, sending more weapons to Taiwan that's that's not a great sign. Uh, trying to bolster all of our alliances across the, the South Pacific so we can island hop to uh you know taiwan or china for the next war that that's not a great sign all of it's it's not great um and then on top of all of that china it's come you know back in the picture they've restored essentially restored diplomatic relations between iran and saudi arabia which the u.s does not want Saudis are our friends, even though they're giant pieces of shit. And um, yeah, the, it's funny how the the guys on the on the Republican side they'll bitch about Hunter Biden and Burisma in Ukraine, which they should. It's uh, corruption at its finest, but they won't say shit about Donald Trump taking a bunch of money from the Saudis immediately after he's out of office, like. This live golf deal, something like a hundred million dollars per tournament, and he's got three of them this year, I think. Um, and live golf is funded by the Saudi royal family, so I mean, it's tell tell me the difference between Hunter Biden and Ukraine. There, it's uh, except maybe maybe Trump knows golf better than Hunter Biden knows natural gas, but. A bribe's a bribe, man. It's uh yeah. Anyways, we're 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 pals with the Saudis, hate the the Iranians, but now China came in and put Saudi Arabia and Iran back on speaking terms again. Um, which puts Israel at a kind of in a weird spot, which puts us in a weird spot. So then you so when you put it all together, you've got shit popping off in Europe shit about to pop off uh with china and and taiwan and possibly a whole new brand of shit popping off in the middle east and we're just balls deep in all of it and yeah i'm just like can can we pull out just pull out don't blow that load just pull out and be like ah hey uh, might have got in over our heads here. Let's uh the smart thing to do, which I, I guess there's there has been one smart thing that Biden has done here lately. He's uh signed off on some offshore drilling in Alaska. Not as much as they they were requesting, but only like twenty percent of what they were requesting. But it's new drilling and you're like even uh this fucking just retarded administration can realize like oh we how we're gonna need some more oil if we're gonna pick all these fights because we gotta make some shit Mm. but yeah if we were smart we'd go back to just making all of our shit here incentivizing businesses to come back to the united states which was trump's platform um the tariffs i don't know if i necessarily agree with um because um looking back on history they didn't it didn't end up real well. Smoot Hawley tariffs. Um, I wonder if that Hawley is related to Josh Hawley. 
Josh Hawley's pretty protectionist, so I, I, I bet there's some connection there. We'll look that up later. But as far as bringing manufacturing back to the U.S., that that's, seems like the only way out. Like, we should stop exporting all of our good shit and uh, selling it here, <laughs> you know, domestically. And uh, the best defense... Uh, particularly for the United States, because you got an ocean on either side of you. If you make all of your own shit, the rest of the world can't really fuck with you. They're not going to come invade you because they'll get mowed down by all the, the more guns than people that we have here in the United States. And, uh, and I mean, those are just privately owned guns, let alone what the military has. So we don't have to worry about invasion. I don't think, um, but then particularly if we have a strong industrial base, we have a strong agricultural base, we're self-sufficient. We got a strong energy base. Nobody, nobody can fuck with us, but instead we, uh, yeah, we, uh, shoot ourselves in the foot over and over again. But like I said, this time, Uncle Joe only shot off one of his toes because he he did allow some new drilling in Alaska. So that that's that's a decent sign, um, but we need more of that. Um, I guess come on, we got forty five minutes here, forty six minutes. Um, let's see what what my other articles I had pulled up here. Credit Suisse, we talked about that. Um, I don't remember what that was all about. Oh, they're, uh, they're trying to take down DeSantis now, but also, also take down Trump and then they're like trying to differentiate between the two. I'm not sure. Oh, this one, this was a good one um, on the domestic front here. Um, here's why living in the country may actually hurt your health. Uh, it's uh, written by John Anderer, Anderer uh, out of Houston. The grass pavement is always greener. Plenty of people who live in cities dream of one day packing their bags and retiring to a much more natural setting filled with wide open spaces. But many residing in more rural regions often wonder about uh, life in, the, in a big city. Both settings have their ups and downs. Researchers from the University of Houston are encouraging more people to pack up and head uh, toward more urban areas. Good work, University of Houston. Keep it up. Put out more of these studies. Keep those goofy fuckers in the city. Uh, their study finds that Americans who live in, in rural areas tend to be more anxious and depressed, uh, less open-minded, and more neurotic. Additionally, people living in the country displayed lower levels of life satisfaction and less purpose or meaning in life than those living in urban areas. Importantly, the project also highlights disparities in access to mental health services as a potential major factor driving these psychological differences. 
Now, I didn't read this study, um, but it sounds like it was conducted by somebody who did not like the little town that he was living in, either growing up or that he had to go visit to do this study. Um, I will say the people that live in town, in a small town, a lot of times are... Uh, are just as uh, as described, but by and large, I find that people that live outside of uh, major urban areas are a little more happy with life. So I, I don't I don't know what to think about that study, but I like it because if people listen to it, maybe they'll stop moving out here and fucking up my my neighborhood you know like my neighborhood used to be like four houses now it's like eight or nine houses and i'm feeling a little bit claustrophobic <clears throat> and um so if if more people listen to this study out of the university of houston they'll keep their happy ass in the city and stay away from us depressed country bumpkins and life will be good that's so uh, some of the bright news for the week. And then, um, you know, the government does a lot of stupid shit. Um, but this one, I think, takes the cake. Um, this is a, this is a real doozy. So in the, the Gila, Gila National Forest, I don't know if it's Gila or Gila. I'm, I'm not a, I have real Mexican blood in me, but I'm not a real Mexican. Uh, shooting of unbranded cattle in the Gila National Forest draws ire. Um, so apparently there's been a band of wild slash feral cattle slash stray cattle in this section of the Gila National Forest for quite some time, going back to the 90s. And due to um, pressure from environmental groups, the and uh, the Forest Service, or who I think it's the Forest Service in this, yeah, U.S. Forest Service, U.S. Forest. We'll put it back up there. Um, has been dealing with the problem of unbranded cattle roaming and damaging the Gila National Forest since the 1990s, with uh, contracts awarded on a semi-regular basis dating back to 1998 to remove the animals. But a current plan to use helicopters to shoot the cattle resulted in backlash from ranchers as well as state legislatures. Le legislators. The shooting of the cattle is underway this month, starting Thursday morning. This was uh, February 11th. So this has been going on for a little bit already. And essentially, I I've known about this story for a while. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't covered it yet, but it seemed like a good time. But I didn't know if they were actually going to follow through with this because, you know, when, when you're shooting innocent animals, people tend to get little up in arms. But instead of the environmental and animal rights groups like getting up in arms, like they're the ones actually pushing for it because it, um, you know, it, it disturbs the natural beauty of 
the National Forest or some shit like that. And <laughs> this this is one of the the crazier things that they I mean they they've done it before, so it's, I guess it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. But these unbranded cattle, some some of them, most of them probably are just wild, just a wild band of cattle. But they they go in, they award these contracts to to gather them. It's it's in some really tough country, and you get a few, but you don't get all of them. That's how how it works in the, in that in that brush country and just just real. Once once cattle are are kind of wild, they uh they don't gather very well, and that's they don't gather well in the first place when they're domesticated, and that's that's what uh, turns them wild because they just don't get them gathered, and then they they reproduce and they 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 reproduce with and produce more wild fucking cattle, and and so you get this. They said it was about 150 head, and instead of just continuing to just like chip away at the population just you know awarding a contract and send a bunch of cowboys down there to to drive them out and uh and just take keep taking skimming off the top and eventually you'll get there i mean they said it's since since the 90s so maybe it's taken a long time but maybe they didn't award as many contracts to get them out of there either maybe they maybe they should have just had like an open you know contract to just whenever you wanted to go go in there i don't know how it worked but either way um they decided uh enough's enough and we're going to take these bitches out but we're not going to go in and gather them and and take them to the sale barn where somebody could you know some somebody will make some money whether it's the state or whoever um you know i think i think typically you get a bounty um if you gather wild cattle and the state gets the rest of the, the, the money that's, <laughs> that the animal sold for, if I, if I, um, I think anyways, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but they decided not to do that. We're just going to fly a helicopter over, over the top of them. We're going to shoot them from there. And then we're going to leave them just fucking leave them there because, uh, I mean, it's not like you have a helicopter where you could drop a line and, you know, cart them out and make some good use of the meat. No, we're just going to leave them there and let them decompose naturally because that's, that's a better thing to preserve the environment. They, that, you know, that these cattle don't belong in, you know, like they're, they're not part of the natural environment, but a dead cow, that's, that's, that's as American as apple pie right there in the Gila national forest. Like, seems seems like a bit of overkill and and then also you get to the the case where maybe maybe it is uh some rancher's lost cattle that um he hasn't been able to get a hold of hadn't been able to round them up and uh they don't have a brand on them so fuck that guy right that's uh <laughs> that's kind of the kind of seems to be the you know, the attitude from, from the forest service. And, uh, but which is not a big surprise because they're, they're doing it at the behest of a bunch of environmental groups. And 
it, it's just really funny when you uh when it comes down to shit like this you're like where where's PETA? where's the humane society where are all these animal rights groups and they're like oh no you're silent because you're also in on this this agenda so you're not actually about uh the ethical treatment of animals you're just anti-animal uh, agriculture is what was what it is so mm. oh fuck all these people um i i really hope that none of the like the neighboring ranches get any of their cattle shot but i won't be surprised if they do um what what a dumb dumb fucking thing but anyway that's uh it's getting late and uh i'm gonna go to bed so that'll that'll end it for the night um thanks for tuning in don't have a patreon segment uh for this week but it's always ad free on patreon so you can go to patreon.com slash burning daylight sign up there uh let aaron know that he is he's gay because um i think he likes to hear that from time to time um and yeah other than that have a good week and uh, we'll be back here a thursday be I got Tuffy and uh, Tommy coming in uh, to do a bull session. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, until then, move your ass. We're burning daylight. You rise up in the morning beneath the stars so bright. Pull your hat down, make sure your cinch is tight. Horse is kind of snuffy, cold chill up your spine. We'll get your ass moving, sun will burn daylight. Burning Get your ass moving somewhere burning daylight.